1: Global business news 24 hours a day at
0: Bloomberg.com,
1: the Radio Plus mobile
0: app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
2: From Bloomberg World Headquarters, on am Catherine Cowdery. Stocks remain higher and the dollar slipped after minutes from the Federal Reserve's last meeting. Did little to alter perceptions for the timing of higher interest rates. Concern that fallout from the Brexit vote may spread drove demand for havens. The S&P 500 held gains as the minutes indicated that May's week jobs report fueled uncertainty among Fed officials about the economy, though data since, including a report on the service industries today, helped rekindle investor optimism. And investors are awaiting the June employment report due out this Friday. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg Radio. Dell Industrial Average is up 50 points, a quarter percent, trading at 17,889. S&P 500 up seven points, a third of a percent, to 2,095. The Nasdaq higher by 28.6 tenths of a percent at 4850. West Texas Intermediate crude oil up 68 cents a barrel, one and a half percent at 4729. Spot gold up five dollars 70 cents the ounce to 1364.40. Ten-year Treasury down two thirty seconds with a yield of 1.38 percent. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
0: You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio
3: seems these days it's hard to overestimate the impact of the U.K.'s vote to leave the European Union. The Brexit, hard to esti- overestimate just how much impact it, this is having around the world. Story on the Bloomberg today that emerging markets are extending their losses as concern from some kind of contagion uh, from Brexit resurfaces. Uh, we received a, a pitch today to do a story talking about how other parts of Europe will benefit greatly from this Brexit decision. We want to bring back someone to the show who we spoke to just before the vote, Marian Harkin. She's member of the EU Parliament's Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee. She's a former member of Ireland's Parliament to talk to us about the fallout from the vote, what's next, and maybe a little bit on what it means for Ireland. Marian,
4: welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kathleen. Delighted to be with you.
3: So, uh, as we've seen quoted many times in the British press, the UK press, Brexit means Brexit, Brexit. What does it mean as the EU tries to
4: move ahead? Well, certainly, it's we're in Strasbourg here at the moment. We're in the plenary session of the Parliament. And you walk around the corridors, Kathleen, and you hear interviews going on in different languages. You hear people speaking in different languages. And every second or third sentence, you hear the word, Brexit. That's all you understand, because obviously there's over 20 languages here. But it it just goes to show it's on everybody's lips. Everybody's very concerned. I suppose really there's two impacts we need to look at. We need to look at the political impact for Europe and the stability of the European Union. But equally, we have to look at the economic fallout. And and I suppose from the the political aspect, uh, Kathleen, we see... Apart from the meltdown that's going on in, in the UK itself within both the Conservative and the Labour Party. But we also see, for example, in Hungary, uh, Viktor Orban, who's the Prime Minister there, is having a referendum on the 2nd of October on relocation plans for refugees. And that's the same day Austria is going back to the polls for a rerun of their presidential election. You'll remember that. Koffer, the member of the far-right Freedom Party, was defeated by 0.01 percentage uh, of a point. Uh, And he has said in the last day or two that Austria should hold a referendum on EU membership within one year uh, if the bloc, he said, continues to centralise. You've got Marine Le Pen in France and you've, you've got all of those. Uh, you know, th- this is part of the political fallout and it's giving oxygen if you like to to those who would like to see the breakup of the EU and who are I suppose supporting very nationalist concerns and then you've got the the economic fallout in the UK um, sterling we, we know where it is it's, it's down I think at one thirty at the moment but I think Uh, The fact that Mark Carney said in the last day or two, and he is the governor of the Bank of England, that his fears about Brexit had begun to crystallize, that's very worrying because we see that different property funds yesterday and today have halted redemptions. They're freezing withdrawals. So there's, there's big concerns about what could happen there. So just a great deal of uncertainty all around. And as we know, the market craves certainty, but it certainly does not have that now.
1: Marion, one thing that is not uh, uncertain is that lawyers from some of Britain's largest legal firms have been looking to register in Ireland in order to protect their right to practice in the European Union. Uh, is this something that you would con- you, you think will continue uh, not only in the legal profession but in other professions?
4: I think it will because we had the situation just in the last few days that Ian Paisley Jr., that's the son of the famous Ian Paisley, uh, was advising his constituents in Northern Ireland how to apply for Irish citizenship, and he had the forms for them. So when you see that happening, you, you understand that a lot of people are looking for Irish citizenship. I was talking to one of our ministers today. He was out in Strasbourg. They don't have numbers for those who are applying uh, for Irish citizenship, but uh, All he told me was they're certainly looking at printing more forms because they have run out of them. So we are going to see that. And, again, it's the uncertainty. People don't know what the future holds. So they want to, if you like, maybe have a foot in both camps so that depending on on what the outcomes are, they then have Mm -hmm. choices. And I think that's what people are doing.
3: Well, you know, our own Mark Gilbert of uh, Bloomberg News, he's a Bloomberg View columnist, and uh, he served uh, most recently as London bureau chief. And he made a very interesting, wrote a very interesting column today, suggesting that um, because the EU doesn't have a written constitution, if I'm understanding correctly, whether and how Britain respects the June 20. 20- third vote becomes a matter of judgment rather than law. Uh, he also notes that on Monday, the Austrian finance minister went as, as far to suggest UK might not end up leaving. And former Prime Minister Tony Blair also cast doubt on the plebiscite, saying a 52% vote to leave isn't binding. What, what, what's being talked about in the EU?
4: Well, your, your columnist is right. We, we have a treaty. But it, Article 50 was Uh, included in the treaty, in the last revision, the the Lisbon Treaty, in fact, it was called. And that, for the first time, gave member states an exit strategy. Up to that, it was like, you know, Hotel California. You you can never leave, if you like. But um, Article 50 uh, plotted a pathway for member states to leave the EU. But it's, it's quite vague. And as of now, nobody can force the UK to trigger... Article 50. I think most people would say, look, they have to elect a new leader of the Conservative Party. Uh, we expect that to happen maybe the beginning of September. Give them four to six weeks, maybe even to the end of October. But really, they want to be getting their act together at that point. I think most reasonable people would suggest that that might be the timetable. But... The UK does not have to follow that timetable. Now, I'm sure if if it were to go to the beginning of next year, there would be a lot of concern and perhaps even some impatience, perhaps even turning to, to anger if the UK didn't make clear what its intentions were. But the ball actually is in their court at the moment. But once they trigger this Article 50, then there are two years during which negotiations take place. After that period of time, if no agreement is reached, then we have no deal with the UK and they would be in the same position, let's say, as China. They would come under WTO rules. Um, The period could be extended, but that would require a unanimous decision of all the other 27 member states. And you can imagine that would be difficult to find.
1: We're speaking with Marion Harkin, member of the European Union Parliament's Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee. Marion, how do you respond to people that say that the European Union needs to be more flexible not only in how it deals with Brexit, but how it deals with many of the other issues that have presented themselves?
4: Well, I didn't ask, answer your previous question, uh, Pam, when you asked me ab- about Ireland, and i just briefly say one or two sentences. For us, there are significant threats. 17% of our exports go to the UK and Northern Ireland, and about half of those are from SMEs and from the agri-food sector. So you can see that they are, if you like, overexposed. And no matter what happens in the intervening two years, we're not going to turn that ship around. But equally, there will be opportunities. If the UK leaves, Then we'll be the only English speaking uh, country in the EU, Malta as well. So there are opportunities there. And and you also mentioned to me the fact that Tony Blair said that maybe, you know, this might change. Perhaps when they've negotiated whatever deal is negotiated in two years time, maybe there might be an opportunity of putting that to uh, the British people for an either or. Uh, choice. But look, all of those things are um, are up in the air at this point in time. Miriam, really quickly here.
3: Are Irish people, are they saying uh, we can't sell as much stuff to the UK? Or are they glad for less competition?
4: Look, they're they're very concerned because the drop in sterling immediately affects our exports. So people are very concerned because we know that if if a deal isn't done, it's in everybody's interest to do a deal. But the bottom line here is you can't have a la carte access to the single market. It comes with costs. uh, It comes with responsibilities. And we have to wait and see what the British wants, and then we can see how we can position our economy to, to get the best out of it, as it were.
1: Thank you very much. Marion Harkin, member of the European Union Parliament's Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes, and this is Bloomberg.